It's the Digital Side Hug, and I'm back. It's David Rubio. It's been a while uh, since we've uh, published a podcast. I say we, it's just me. Um, But I'm here and super excited. I'm actually in San Diego, California with Pastor Pete. How are you guys doing today? It's Pastor Pete Contreras. Uh, Pete, tell us. This this is a podcast for youth ministers, and you're not, but you're not a youth minister. No, nope. I'm a, a lead pastor of a church plan. I, my wife and family started about six years ago, but uh, I'm rooted in youth ministry for over 25 years in urban youth ministry. And your church is actually also filled with uh, pastors who are former youth ministers, right? Yeah, I'd say about is 90, that correct? Yes, about 95% of our leadership are all former, or are doing youth ministry. Urban youth ministry is the niche that we do, but are all have that background. So we're recovering youth, youth pastors. <laughs> Tell us the name of your congregation, uh, when you moved here, how long this church has been going, things like that. Okay, so uh, the name of our tra- church is called New Vision Christian Fellowship. We're located in San Diego, California. Um, Started it about six years ago out of my backyard with about 15 people, uh, and we've grown over the years. We, we, we started meeting like just kind of in an open patio area uh, with 15 people, and it's kind of grew to about 60 to 75 people in my backyard. So we had a home church of about 65 people for the first year, and then we grew into a warehouse to there, and we grew to about 120, and that's where we got to our current property here on Park Boulevard uh, in San Diego, we're just north of the zoo, and uh, where we've been here four years now, we're a little over 300, 350 now. And your current uh, location is surrounded by delicious Mexican taco stands. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I've eaten at a few of them, and I've got a question for you in a second about that. Family-wise, wife, kids, tell us about that. Yeah, um, married, been married 26 years to my lovely wife, Julie. We have four kids. Uh, they're kind of all getting older. My oldest is 21. I have a 19-year-old, a, a 17-year-old, and a 13-year-old. It's three girls and one boy. And uh, so they've all been a part of that church plan and kind of been involved in urban, in urban ministry. So. 19, 17, did you say 14 no, also? No, it was 21, 20. 19, 17, and 13. And your 17-year-old and your 13-year-old, if I'm getting this right, from the stories from Margarita, are about the same ages as the Genesias. Yes, yes. Is that right? Yeah, they grew up They grew up together. They know each other. Yeah, so where yeah. you guys have been serving today is that family we've known for a while. And just to kind of bring this around to why I'm interviewing Pastor Pete, um, I didn't know you until Sunday. I mean, right. that was the first time we met. That's right. I had heard about you two weeks ago. Um and just to let the listening audience know, summer has begun, and this is the first week, really, week of students being out of school where I minister in South Nashville in Tennessee. And our youth ministry has, a, has we try to sort of stack our trips in the summer so that we don't drive families crazy. And so this is one of those weeks where teens are in several different places. Um, and one of our trips this week was going to be to Mexico. We had planned, actually last summer, and if you're a listener to the Digital Side Hug podcast, you know that I interviewed uh, Carly Dallas in Baja, California, in, in Mexico last year in a town called Vicente Guerrero, where she does an awesome ministry, after-school care ministry to children um, of poor families in the neighborhood of, of there in Vicente Guerrero. And we were planning to go back. We had 44 people sign up, uh, 13 adults and 31 teenagers. And they were all geared up to do this after-school program to hold little children in their arms and teach them how to play guitar and how to do a dance routine and how to do crafts and and classes on public speaking and computer and technology and things like that. And about, I guess, three and a half weeks ago, some rioting broke out in the town where we were going to go. Um, And it was enough to cause us to say, 
we can't we can't go there. So as a group, we we just we we had a meeting and there were lots of tears, and um, I just said. I, from Buster Clemens, the, my, my hero in youth ministry, I called him. I said, what, what do I say? He said, trust and adjust. You trust and adjust. Ministry and your missions isn't about you. And so you go wherever God leads you. And we had tickets, plane tickets, non-refundable to San Diego Airport. Uh, so it was either lose $20,000 and sort of bail out on the trip altogether or, 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 or even try to go somewhere else. Or it was find something to do in San Diego. That's how we found mm-hmm. your church. Um, you've got a minister to, urban missions minister. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Haskins is his name. We made contact with Mike. Mike said, we'll put you to work. I guarantee something will open up and we'll find out what God's doing. So our group landed here Saturday and we've been working our tails off. And beginning Sunday morning in your church here at New Vision, we began to realize the, the, the sort of plan that we didn't even know was in place that God was doing with our group. And it has been incredible to see it all unfold because your church is a very, very weird church. <laughs> Can I say that? It's different. Um, weird in a great way, amazing kind of way. So Pastor Pete, I'm going to ask you to tell us this. What our group is doing is inter- we're doing inner city ministry this week. We're we're painting, you know, and doing a mural on on a, uh, a house that's located kind of near the church here to bless people. Um, we are w- working on a staging area for street ministry to homeless. We're getting this backyard cleaned up and doing some work for a lady, like I mentioned earlier, named Margarita. We're going to be doing street ministry on on Thursday to the homeless, walking around, engaging them um, in some really cool, sustainable ways. That you know, Mike's vision is that we take it home, and we would it would begin to change our lives back in Nashville as we see and interact potentially with homeless people living there. Uh, and then Friday we get to be a part of the huge food distribution right. that that who knows if we'll talk about it or not. But Pete, I want you to. Uh, just real quickly, give us the lightning round version of how this church got started, why you're here, and what this church, what the mission of this church is. Well, let, let me go with the mission, and then we'll go back okay, that great. way, because I think great. it'll help you understand the context of New everything. Vision Community Church. Yeah, New Vision I'm Christian, sorry, Christian, Christian church. Fellowship. Christian Fellowship. New Vision Christian Fellowship. It really came out of the the passage in John 3.3. 3, it says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And my heart has always been uh, that when we come to faith in God, God does something new. He transforms us. He changes us. But it also gives us a new look on life. And our heart of our church has always been that there's it's not a new vision of his word. That never changes. But it's a new vision of what God wants to do through us to build the kingdom of God. And uh, my, my challenge to all that has been, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in the lives of the people that you gave them dreams and hopes how can they live that out? That's the vision I was talking about here. And I really felt like the our mission is a purpose. We have an E4 purpose, which is really to express our love, equip the saints, empower to serve and evangelize the lost. But all that is done by empowering the people to live out their, their kingdom call, their vision. And that's why out of that, in the last four six years, and really the last four years in this property that we received about four years, miraculously got a property for free. Um, yeah, you got a property for, for free. free. And that God is that God has given in an to amazing us location. as we came to, in, right down in the middle of the city with parking, which you never get in San Diego. 
And God has allowed that to be able to establish 35 ministries, all established by volunteers that we've raised up through the ministry because they wanted to have a vision to be able to touch people's lives from prison ministries to housing ministries, the Mexico ministries, to recovery ministries, to uh, feeding ministries and distribution ministries and uh, ministries in public schools and group homes and all these different places that which we serve, uh, all run and really run by uh, people in the church. And that God is kind of, and they're all coming from shady, misfit backgrounds. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? And uh, ex-gang makers, ex-drug addicts, uh, um, you know, people coming out of the homosexual lifestyle, just a lot of things that God is doing and raising up leaders. And so our heart is just really to allow this to have, to be a kingdom endeavor, to let the people serve in their giftings and their call. And it's not beautiful. Sometimes it gets ugly. Sometimes it gets bloody. And if you're in youth ministry, it gets a little crazy. Yeah. It gets a little out of control sometimes. But that's what I love because it ain't get dirty and ain't get it messy we ain't doing nothing and so that's kind of where we, we're doing what we're doing why so tell us real quick you've been here four years but the church has been going six, six. Why, why why did you move from your other location and how did it happen that a that a multi-million dollar property fell into your hands for free well I, I, first of all I, I remember when we started the church in 2008 October 2008 we left the ministry that I had been involved with for 13 years uh, doing urban ministry everything's good God called us out and that's a whole different story but I remember my wife telling me there's about 15 people that came with us and I was gonna, wasn't going to start the church right away. I was going to just, let's get everything prepared. She says, no, Pete, you got to start church right away. And we, you got 15 people here. We begin with 15 people. Let's do a church service. And I said, okay. So the first Sunday, 2008, October, prior to that week, I hit the streets because I've been in San Diego here over 25 years. This is where you grew up? I didn't grow up here. I grew up from East LA, but okay, I, 25 it. years ago, uh, I moved down here. And um, I just started hitting the streets. I knew there were a lot of street people and ex-gang members and people I've known over the years of ministry that weren't going to church, weren't walking with Jesus. And so I just went after them and I just said, look, and I know you're walking with Jesus, I'm starting a church. I'm starting this day, and our opening Sunday morning, out of my backyard, we had 50 people that showed up. They're all, and some are still with me today, still in our church today, walking with the Lord. And uh, but my wife said this in, two, in 2008. She said this: the, the Lord gave me a word, Pete. And I said, "What is it?" She goes, "The Lord wanted me to tell you that if you be patient, you will inherit the land." And I was like. I said, okay, and she really believed at the very beginning that God was going to give us a free building to do ministry right when we started, right away the first month. Says, the Lord told me to tell you this, be patient and inherit the land. And so we were patient. Two years, we were kind of at my house and at a warehouse, and we kind of outgrew that. But in the start, beginning of the third year, I was looking did for you, Did you Did you rent the warehouse, or did somebody just let you use no, it? No, we, we actually rented a warehouse, but it, okay. was, only, it was only $200 a month, which yeah. in, it's in San Diego is unheard of. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're going for fifteen to 2000 Just to let you know, everything about this church is unheard of. I mean, honestly, every story that I hear, every time I talk with someone, and, and so keep going. I can't wait to talk about Robin because this is the first guy from that wasn't employed by this church that I met. And I'll tell you about it in a second, but keep going. So you're renting a warehouse for $200 a month. for how many months? We, we were there about 12 months. 12 months. So we were okay, there. Okay, so you're we, spending $2,400. for the year there. Uh, we actually turned it into a, we called it, it was a nightclub. We actually turned it into a So you walked into our church, that building, we took a warehouse and we put graffiti art all around the walls. And all our kids uh, created a, uh, a ministry called The Bridge, which was a hip hop nightclub. So yeah. we had bands and hip hop artists. So we have dancers in our church. And so these young kids put this all together. So I gave them the keys on a, on the weekend. And I said, here's the keys. They remodeled. They wanted to pay it. I gave it to the keys. I said, I'll see you Sunday morning. And I came back and he walked in and there's the bridge on the back of our wall, which is all graffiti art. And 
stuff. And they started an outreach, working to outreach with kids on the street through this thing. And so that was kind of our first sanctuary. Mike Iaconelli would have loved you if he were still <laughs> alive. The idea that you handed the keys to the young people and said, get it going, decorate it, do what you want to do. And, well, and th that's one of our heart is that letting kids live out their vision as a youth pastor, former youth pastor, but as a lead pastor now, letting kids be equipped because some of these kids run my PowerPoint on Sunday mornings. Some of these kids play in our worship with our worship team. Some of these kids serve the communion. Yeah. That we don't limit our young people. They're a part of the body. They're organically part of our DNA. Yes, yes. And they serve as, as a leader. If they have the capacity to, to do a devotion, we let them. If they have the capacity to play electric guitar or play the drums and could sustain that level, we let them. And so they are part of the function as a part yeah. of our team of body. And you see that on Sunday morning. You'll see them serving in all the... They, a lot of them run our children's ministry. They are teachers in our children's ministry consistently yeah. doing that. So that's part of my heart of uh, allowing this church to let people serve. That's the equipping. As a youth pastor, you want to equip your young people for the works of ministry. And that's how we do it as a church. And so... Um, so that started early on. That started the, early in on. the DNA of your DNA of the church. They were doing that all right at the beginning. And so then... What, so what about moving here? How did this happen? So... And I know it's a long it's story. A story but I'll try to keep it brief here. What happened was um, I met with a, a, a senior pastor from a large church, a good friend, urban ministry veteran, good brother. He came and saw what you were doing. He said, Pete, uh, I love your vision. I love what you're doing, but you really got to move out of where you are. There's a warehouse. This warehouse was a two-story warehouse. that had five churches in it, identity problem, everything going on. And so I began to look around and saying, Lord, where do you want us to be? And uh, this church here was a is a Southern Baptist church that was uh, pretty much kind of had gone through its heyday, but it was on its decline. Uh -huh. And it had probably only about 30 members here or so was really dying. There was an interim pastor here that I'd known, a friend of mine that I'd known for many, many years. So I came to him and said, hey, Mike, would you allow us to rent some space from you to be able to... Uh, have our services because we're growing. I've known this guy for years. He's a he's a, a, a pastor. He's done yeah. ministry. He says, Pete, I just gave my notice. I'm only interim here. I got a job. They have no pastor. Would you come and bring your body here and merge with these people and you can get the building and have it all and do it like that? And so <laughs> we had that dialogue and God was moving and we ended up merging the their people here with our people. Uh -huh. And uh, and that's how we've been able to get the, the story to get this thing. Not only did that, that happen. And we got the building. Nine months later into the journey, um, I had a friend call me who owned van rentals. And these van rentals here, if you look out in our parking lot today, they're This 10, is Jason. This is Jason. Yeah. These are 10, 15 passenger vans yeah. out here. I've known him for years. He said, Pete, I started- uh, He's with Mission Rent-A-Van. Mission, Mission and Rent some of you have probably even rented with him. He to rents go and goes to Mexico, Mexico and does the stuff there. So he says, Pete, can we park our vans? If we let us park our vans, you could use our vans anytime you want for free. <laughs> and so awesome. we use that to go pick up our people on Sunday morning yeah. to go to Mexico. So God has always been providing- uh, yeah. for the body supernaturally Can in that I, way. Okay, so this is a dying kind of suburban church at the time that merges with this sort of emerging church plant that has in its DNA to let teenagers decorate the nightclub. Are there some hilarious, amazing, sort of miraculous, how did we not explode the first few weeks that this merger happened? I mean, were there not eyeballs bulging out? I mean, you got to know, some of those people, like some of the members of your congregation that came over to merge were ex-addicts and out of prison and, and dealing with mental health issues. I mean, it were there, or prostitutes. I mean, and in this congregation, they were this dying, irrelevant to the community kind of thing. Is there like a story of the very first morning where you're looking out going, well, how is God I doing remember, this? I remember um, they, they, we had some people here that were very committed to keep these doors open. 
Um, in fact, David Powell and his wife, Brenda, who are now my executive pastors, were here for 40 years and felt like this place, God wanted these doors open where other pastors came and wanted to shut them down. Yeah, yeah. God supernaturally intervened in that and kept these doors open. And I know that it's kind of like they were the keepers of the camp and uh -huh. kept this door open that we would come in and see the new work done. But I remember the Sunday that we merged, we voted to merge on that Monday morning. <laughs> Um, we have urban mission trips. That's why, David, you're here. You're yeah. part of that. But that Monday morning, we had 70 high school kids here on the thing. And they're like, whoa, where did all these kids come from? You know, And we were off the running. Yeah. We were out on the streets. We were painting. We this were was working. Your, this was this your first, first Monday, Monday right after, in this new building. That's right. We hadn't even moved our stuff over yet. We were already doing ministry out the gate. So y'all were already bringing groups in like ours to do missions in the city right. before you got to this property. That's right. We were doing it out of my backyard. I was doing urban mission trips in my backyard out of my house. I've been doing urban mission trips for churches for over yeah, 27 yeah. Okay. years. All right. So this is what we do. And this is part of part of our equipping ministry. Not only equipping our people, but also equipping others, others yeah. for the work of ministry. And that's part of why we do what we do. And allowing them to go back and say, how we can do this in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities, right. and doing those types of things. So those are just kind of how we yeah. got planted here. And it's, it's, it's just grown. It's just 35 ministries, people coming. We're, we're a multi-ethnic church with african-americans hispanic puerto ricans brazilian russian jews islanders uh, everything every tribe tongue and nation comes here ex-homosexuals just just a, a, economically different you have a yeah. you have a homeless sitting next to a, a lawyer you'll you'll have that in our church and it's just but it's a common everyday thing it's not like well who's this kid and they get afraid about that it's just who we are yeah and it's when you walk in you see that and um and you you know you'll have gangbangers sitting next to a, a guy who's in the you know, police department and stuff like that. So, and, and they all love each other. It's it's just a crazy, crazy thing that goes well, on. Well, I sat down Sunday morning on the front row and we got here early. In fact, Mike uh, Haskins told us, he said, you, you, you need to get here early because this isn't like most churches where people show up right on time. You know, we have people that, you know, just, it's like a trickle effect. Right, yeah, yeah. And we, we start at 10, but we may not start at 10. We may yeah. not start till 10, 10, 10, 15. We may start, you know, but we got here, I don't know, 930 or something. And the praise band is playing and they're worshiping on stage and the doors are open and people are trickling in and they're, I guess they're doing their run through, right. but it sounds like just kind of behind the seat, like just background worship going on. I was like, this is cool. So our group, I'm trying to challenge our teens to get up, and say hello to them. And there's a, there's a lady on the front row who's in a wheelchair, clearly can't, cannot right. walk, who has a purse in her lap mm -hmm. and in the lap is a dog. Yes. Yeah. That sat in the purse in this lady's lap who's in a wheelchair. The entire service, the dog didn't move one time. So our students eventually mosey over there saying hello. The first person that I meet is a guy named Robin. And I say, I, maybe maybe I shouldn't say his first name. I, I, I know He's he wouldn't fine. care. I said, hey, I'm David. What's your name? He said, Robin. I said, I'm, I'm the leader of all these teens. He's like, oh, that's awesome. You're here this week? I said, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, tell tell me. So you're a member here? He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a member here. In fact, I'm I'm a member of the you member of the leadership team too." And it didn't sound like it sounded like volunteer. You know, right. he's one one of the volunteer. He's been given ownership of ministry. And I said, "So what brings you here?" He said, "Oh man, well, it's a long story, but to cut it short, I I was in prison 27 years, and God just pulled me out of that and used Pastor Pete and used Pastor Mike, and and I'm living at the rescue mission, and I'm I'm here helping lead." <laughs> and I said, "Well." How can I ask? How'd you get in prison? And, and which maybe you shouldn't ask that. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, in sometimes. my church, I'm never yeah, sitting is. beside somebody that's been in prison for 27 years. <laughs> and I said, uh, so I said, well, can I ask what you did? He said, sure. I broke the law. <laughs> he, he said, simple. he said somebody did something to me, and I, I did something back that was illegal. 
and I and I went to jail for it. But that's what God, you know, God healed me and this, that, and the other. And and then He said, and I'm going to be with you Wednesday night when you're ministering at the Plaza Hotel in downtown San Diego. And I thought, this is a church. This is a, this is a different kind of church. And I just am praising God all week for the little ways in which I'm seeing our group learning and learning. You've got interns here that are working with Mike Haskins who don't get paid anything. And not only do they not get paid anything, and this blew my mind, they pay to be here. And every little thing I learn about this church makes me want to say, what, what is, what's going on here? So, Pastor Pete, um, talk about this food ministry that's happening mm-hmm. outside. You, you, we're indoors and the windows are closed, so you can't hear this. But outside the window, describe what's sitting outside the window and why yes. they're here. Well, let me start quickly. The story is there's a, a Kenton who runs our food distribution Kenton. industry. Kenton. We call him Kenton. Um, was an ex-homeless, ex-drug dealer. And what happened, He when he was on the streets and drug dealing, he was really burdened when he go to do deals and he realized that the families weren't taking care of the kids and there was no food in the refrigerators. So he wouldn't deal to families. He even had a conviction in his own corruption. Uh, and he wouldn't give them any drugs because the kids weren't taking care. But when he came to faith and he came to know wow. it, he, he lives in our men's home here on the church. He came to me and said, Pastor, I just feel a call and a desire to provide food for needy families. Can we start doing that? And we said, sure. So we started really small. We were just There was doing, no food ministry there at the no time. There was no food ministry at the time. How we long had, ago was this? That was probably almost three years ago. Three years ago, years. no food ministry. Former drug dealer, Kenton, who Kenton, has a heart for hungry kids. Hungry people and kids and Let's families. do a food ministry. And so we ended up saying, okay, let's start just Sunday. We'll, we'll Start this Sunday. We'll start on a Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going to get food. And we were talking to different places. We signed up with the Feeding Feeding America and Food uh-huh. Bank and different groups. And they would give us some food. And we just started taking care of people within the church body. Yeah, yeah. We started first and then we started, and it started to grow. And then we got more connections to different foods. Uh-huh. And so then we eventually moved it to Tuesdays and Fridays. Actually, we started just one day a week. We moved to two days a week eventually. And we started getting more and more food coming. And, uh, and we ended up also using that food to feed on our Sunday mornings because we do a meal every yeah. Sunday after church for free, 200, for, anybody, for, yeah. free for 250 people plus. Mm-hmm. And so we prepare for that. And then what happens is it started to grow. And then as it began to grow, you, you had all these different people coming to the church from, you know, Cambodian, Vietnamese, uh, Iraqis, uh, Albanians. We have like uh, African-American, Hispanic, just a diversity of people started showing up outside the doors. It started going, it started growing to, we had eventually we were up to like six or 700 people outside the front of our doors uh, wanting to get food. And so as it began to grow, we started getting pallets of pallets. They were being semis to our church, unloading 18 pallets of food. And we had fresh rescue. We had apples and oranges and strawberries and, and corn and just all different types of yeah. food. And we and so then we started getting volunteers from our church. We have over probably 50 volunteers that come, prepare it. And some people come as early as nine o'clock in the morning to get in line. Yeah. When they, we don't even start serving until 4.30 and they'll start forming this line all the way around. The crazy thing about this, there were so many people coming that they come by buses. On yeah, because these are, these are fixed income. Fixed I mean, income. These are they don't, they don't have, yeah. So they come and they get on the bus. And so what happened was there were so many people coming. It was jacking up the bus lines. There was no seats on buses to get on. So the bus district, the RTD for us, our area, called us up and said, hey, we're going to add another bus to your line because you're getting so many people that if you don't do a distribution, please call us so we don't put another bus out. Yeah. So we're even changing systems in our city as it relates to servicing our people and our community. 
to be able to, and we love them. And we have people coming from the food line that are coming to our services now, coming to church, and they're serving in that ministry. And we're outreaching in the love of Jesus and in the name of Jesus and blessing others with providing food. And many come crying saying, thank you, Pastor. It's this food that sustains me through the month. It gets me through the month. Huge pallets of carrots and, and onions and lemons sitting out there right now. I mean, that's just a few of them waiting to be handed out uh, to these families that are here. And so the food, the food comes, I'm, I'm, how many people or how many pounds of food, how many people are fed? How many, tell us about the meals that you provide. Yeah, we, well, just, the food just in terms of the scope, scope of the of ministry. It. Last year, we did 3.3 million pounds of food went out of our church, this church of 300 from this urban area. We also did, that was equivalent, we, we have to sign up every family that comes in how much in, that was equivalent to 700,000 meals that went out. Okay. That didn't even include the meals that we feed on Sunday mornings when we do 250 meals on that. That doesn't even include that. Um, and so that's just what we distributed out. And then some of these food goes to feed the hotel, which you're going to go down. Yeah, yeah. We go into local hotels. Oh, hotel you do a meal at the plaza. Yeah, so we'll take okay. food down there and feed and mm-hmm. feed at the hotels and doing a lot of different things. Some of those will even come, the packages of foods that you'll take out, we even go on the street when you do some of the homeless. Right, right. You'll even take some of the resources when we get there to take on the street for the homeless and doing those type of things to help with the, the the packets and food packets that we provide. Okay, so you last last year you served essentially seven hundred thousand meals, uh, three point eight million or three million pounds of food. And so on Sunday, and I sort of knew a little bit of this because when two weeks ago we're trying to throw together this mission trip, uh, myself and, and Monty and Laurie from our church, we flew out here to kind of just see things and do a little survey. We had a, you know, kind of had a sense of what we were going to be doing. We knew the food ministry was one of those things. But I didn't see it until last Friday when I got here and watched these pallets and couldn't believe my eyes. So then Sunday I'm sitting in the pew and I'm, I'm meeting people. I'm seeing people. I'm looking at this church. And... I saw the, the 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 baskets that you sent around to collect the tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor, I don't know who it was. Who was the person who made the prayer for the tithes and offerings? Was that you? That, uh, that was me at the end okay. of my sermon. Please. So, at the end, so the, the the basket comes around. It's a little cloth basket, and I thought, how, how much is this church gonna give? And I, you know, I didn't know. But then yesterday, you told me how much was given, and I just can't. I, I want you to tell these people on the podcast how much you take in and maybe this was an abnormally low week maybe it was about average but all that food is just one of 30 ish ministries that you do as a church and how much did you collect sunday so we took an offering and that's this particular sunday we only got thirty five hundred dollars in for our church to do all the ministries so that's about you know thirty five four thousand you know sometimes we'll have a good sunday every once we'll be up there but um it, it what we do here is basically uh Calling manna from heaven. And what I, we do I, is yeah. we pray that God you will provide. You know, like I said, we have men's home here. We have 15 men that live in our homes here that we care for. Um, we have um, a lot of different other ministries, single moms Man. ministries. We even work in partnership with Young Urban Young Life. We we take care oh, of wow. the uh, 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 teenage moms, uh, young moms. We, we do that. Uh, we provide food for them every mm-hmm. once a month when we come and we service them. Uh, we take food into the public schools. We, we feed uh, things into public schools and doing a lot of different things. So. So those are just some of the stuff we trust God in bringing provisions. As I share with you the story about Christmas, I'll, I'll, I'll tell that story. We wanted to provide 500 yeah, yeah, families, yeah. 500 mm-hmm. families uh, gift baskets for Christmas. Uh, that's what the Lord put on our heart. We had no money to do that. We just said, Lord, we feel like you're going to do that. Um, and so we were in a staff meeting one day, and um, one of my pastors, who was our youth pastor, said, hey, I got a call today. And it says, it's a call from this other food distribution. They said that they got 250 food baskets that we had ordered for them that was ready to come. And we're, 
and my youth pastor says, I didn't order 250 food baskets. I never ordered anything. I don't know why. And they said, well, we have you on the list here. So she went over there, met with them, and we were ready to receive these just food baskets for 250 families. Yeah. And, and he told her, listen, I never ordered this, but we'll take them because we're trying to do 500 families. So, oh, you need 250 more? We'll make sure you get 250, for, 250 more food baskets. So we added 500 food baskets, but we didn't have any meat to go with them. It was just these commodities that were in there. Yeah, and, the side, side items. Yeah, and, and, and also what we had was somebody had already blessed us with, with toys, so we didn't, we didn't pay for them. Somebody came along and blessed us with, with a bunch of toys to, to provide for the families, but we still needed meat, and we didn't have meat to pass out. And it was about a week away, and we're having our, our church is having a week of prayer and fasting. And I remember we're sitting there as a church praying and asking God, God, bring the manna for today, bring the quail, and we need 500 quail. God is what we prayed. And that Thursday, Kenton calls me up in his office and he says, Pastor, I want to take a look at this. There's 500 uh, whole chickens for sale here, and it's only three hundred dollars. And so we say, pay it, seal it. And so, but our yeah, biggest yeah. concern was, was it packed as frozen yeah. or was it individually we sure? And they delivered on Friday. They opened up the boxes and they were all individually wrapped. So God even knows the details of our prayers yeah. of just praying and God bringing provision for the families. And we did a 500 family showed up. We blessed them. We prayed over them. We gave them meals for Christmas and uh, and God provided through all those different Are things. there ever moments where you think, why, why, like where you have moments of why am I doing this? Hard moments? And, uh, yes. and what, what, what keeps you going? You know, uh, during our Easter time, I had one of those moments where um, we do we do a major festival every year, and it's in a park, and uh, we'll have thirty five to four hundred four thousand people that will show up. We do bands, we feed five thousand meals, we do that, and so I've been preparing and praying for that. Well, that week, um, two of our young ladies of our church, one was thirty five, one was thirty nine, went into a coma, and they were put on life support. He got sick and ill. One's the organs started to fail. Another one went to basic surgery, and the surgery went wrong, and she went into a coma, stopped breathing, and then they two put in her the on, same week. Two in the same week, and uh, it was probably one of the most. And I knew both of them. They go to our church. One of them served in our food ministry here. Uh -huh. She was part of the team that served for the food ministry, uh, and her, her dad and mom go here, and they're part of our leadership team. And so I'm with this family the week just after the festival and right before Easter service. And uh, when you have to, and they're looking to me to say, what do we do? You know, and you're up there every night to one. You're praying with the family. You're yeah. they're, they're in distress. Both of them ended up the following week passing away. And, mm. and I had to do the memorial service for them. And, and, and you're getting ready to go into Easter Sunday. You're getting ready to go into to teach. This is supposed to be a great resurrection day. And you're dealing with loss. You're dealing with, with death and dealing with those things. And, and so those moments are times where I'm just like, Lord, what are you doing here? You know, and what do you tell these people? And, um, just, and then we had some other things going on here at the church that were really hitting us hard. And, and there's, there's a moment that I felt like, Lord, I just don't know if I could do this anymore. You know what I mean? This is this emotional toll of making sure all this is running and, yeah. and the people that are hurting and you have all these people coming in and we just did, and you're coming off the whole, we just did the biggest outreach. I was already tired and fatigued right. and you're going into another big weekend of Easter and we were expecting, you know, we had the largest crowd to ever come to our church that, that Sunday. And, and, and so I was like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to check out God. Can I throw the talent right now? Right. You know, but you know, the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. And his sustainability keeps you going. 
even though you want to lay your head down sometimes and crawl in your bed and just want to go to sleep and you get in those modes where you're just like, can I just take a few days? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we have those moments here. It's not always. There's there's times where you've poured into people in the ministry and they go back using drugs. Or you pour into people and they go back and, and they jump back in the gangs. They're, you pour into kids and young ladies and then they go get pregnant. And, and you, you, you're you battling that urban issues of poverty and, and gangs and, and, and just racial tension that takes place, you know, and how do you deal with breaking down the dividing walls of, of people that have been, you know, struggling with that in our urban communities, or they can't make the rent bill, or they can't pay the electric bill, or they're, they're you know, they're, some of them are living in their cars, and we have people here that stay at our church that live in their cars and mm-hmm. stuff, and they, we park them in the back, and it's just a sanctuary for them, and, you know, I have a, a, my cousin who came to faith while he was here, and now he's, he's in ICU right now, and it, it, it's not looking good. We're praying for him. He's, he's a lot of his organs are shutting down right now, and um, you know, you're doing all that. You're ministering to people. We have a kid in our a kid is in high school. He's he, you talk about youth ministry. This is, if this is your ministry, this is what I'm talking about. He came to us to one of our. He was on. A, he's a star football player at Hoover High School, and uh, one of our one of our parishioners, one of the people who go to church, is one of the coaches there. And his family was so broken. His dad's a pimp. His mom's a drug addict. And the dad wanted to move him to Atlanta and teach him the trade. And because we were intervened, we moved him. He turned to 18. We moved him into our men's home where we said, your goal is to finish high school and go on to college. And so he's living with us today. This kid who was going to be trained to be a pimp is now living with us today. This is our youth ministry. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. We have kids that are homeless kids that come to our youth ministry that we do. And they, they're living on the streets and we're caring. They're coming to our youth ministries or single mom or those types of things. These are the kids that we have to pick up. That parents don't drop them off to church. Parents could care less where they're at. And so in our youth ministry, we got we feed meals every, every yeah. Tuesday night to feed them before they come to church. Mm-hmm. And then we have to take them home. Youth ministry doesn't begin at 6 o'clock and end at 8. Youth ministry for us begins at 4 because we got to go pick them up and then bring them back. And then we got to take them home in the urban context. They ain't, you know, they're getting here by the trolley or their parents aren't dropping them off. We got to go get them. But that's what we do in order to touch the lives of our young people in our church. So tell us why you think, or or maybe there's a better way to phrase it, but what, what does it mean that so many of your ministry staff are former youth workers? What, what do you think that's done to the ministry team here and how, what effect has that had? And what would that say to us as youth pastors? Well, I, I think, first of all, I love, because I was a former youth pastor, the creativity that comes out of youth ministry is so powerful because really our adults are just big kids. Mm-hmm. And so the visual aids, the funny stories, yeah. the interaction, all those things. I remember speaking on a, uh, on a Sunday morning from the pulpit speaking out of James about the tongue. And I literally pulled out a big cross and a cow tongue and I pulled it all out and I nailed it to the cross of church. You know what I mean? I was talking wow. about Jesus died for our tongue. <laughs> we were like, oh, and I do a lot. So there's the youth ministry from the pulpit from me. You know what I mean? And so people are like, oh, but what does it do? It remains in their minds. It's a picture that Jesus died for our tongues. So um, there are things that we've done visually as youth pastors we still do from the pulpit that bring the message to life. Well, okay, tell me the story because every youth pastor's had a teenager that cussed them out. Okay. G- give us that story. Okay. This, this wasn't a teenager. This was a, a, a young lady who's known as Sugar Bear. She's a, a drug addict prostitute in our community. Your response to this, though, is so classic youth so, minister. So we're, 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 she shows in the church. She's, sick and in the sec- she's sitting in the second row. She's drunk. She's intoxicated. And I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians, dealing on the issue of anger and teaching on anger and outbursts of anger and malice and all these things. Well, 
She's sitting in the second row. She's drunk. And I have no problem with people saying amen. And so she's there, amen, Pastor P, amen. But the problem was she, I wasn't making any points. She was just saying amen. And so she's, she was just kind of being disruptive during service. And, and so I had to say, hey, sis, let's, let's focus down a little bit because I know she was being distracted. Well, I continue on preaching. I'm making my point about outbursts, getting ready to make my point about outbursts of anger. She gets up out of the second row, steps out into the aisle, turns to me and says, <laughs> I'm not going to say the word, but I'm going to let you know. She says, F you, Pastor Pete, and F your church, right in the middle of service. Now, she said the full word. I'm not. I'm holding back. You might have to bleep that. But uh, but the reality is, so she what, She goes outside. And then she leaves. And she leaves. She, she starts to leave, leave anyway. Yeah, and so I have a pastor here. Pastor Fergie, who's an ex-bouncer, ex-drug dealer, ex-everything. Biggest Filipino. He was like 300 pounds. Yeah, and by the way, Fer Fergie's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He's wearing well, a Heinz nice. War jersey on Sunday. <laughs> I knew I was in the right church when I got here. Okay. And so he embraces her and starts hugging her. And she's like, let me go up and da-da-da-da-da. And he's just hugging her. And finally, she, she stops from wiggling and she starts bawling and she starts crying. And they talk with her and she eventually leaves. So that was our Sunday morning. But... The following Sunday, which is really what is the role of our the church, is we're called to the ministry of reconciliation, the scripture says. Mm -hmm. We're called to reconcile people back to God and back to one another. And so the following Sunday, I walk in the church, and there's Sugar Bear sitting in the back wearing a big old huge cap. Uh, and I see her, so I go up to there, and she looks at me, and she starts bawling and starts crying. And she begins to say, Pastor, please, please forgive me. I am so ashamed of my behavior and what I said, and, and I feel so terrible. And, and I begin to reach out to Sugar Bear, and I say, Sugar Bear, we love you in this place. You're always welcome in this place. You always have a seat in this house because this That's is God's great. house. And she just began to weep and we hugged each other. And she still comes to our church and she still felt, she's broken. She's struggling. She still has issues. Um, God's doing a work, you know, yeah, it's yeah. at his timing. Um, but the fact that she has a place that she can call home. Yeah, but she's not, she's not quote unquote fixed yet. I mean, she hasn't, she's still struggling. dealing in the mess yes. and getting, getting, you know, through it. And that's I, you know, I heard, when I heard that story, I just I thought that to me is the heart of every youth pastor. You know, your heart for for that parishioner. In most of our churches, adults have figured out how to hide that crap mm -hmm. from us, and and adults know, you know, kind of how to put put on the front or the face and and keep it together in church. And our teens are, we, we, we look at them, many of them are still in their mess and living mm -hmm. in their mess. And whereas adults have learned to hide the mess. And so youth pastors know what to do with a messy life. We just wrap our arms around and we right. say, I'm never going anywhere. I'm here regardless. And you're, we're, we're together. So I, I love, you know, it's like when Mike mentioned, we're all former youth pastors. That's, I, you know, that story typifies it for, for you in terms of just your heart for the people in your church. Um, and, and, and I, I guess, I don't know what, what else you would say to bless youth ministers. I'm going to say this before, um, I want you to have a chance to sure. kind of close out with, with a, maybe a word of blessing for mm -hmm. people that are trying to do youth ministry in their context, because it's, it's three o'clock now. I got to get back over to Margarita's house and pick up a group and make sure that we, you know, that I don't leave them stranded. And and I just realized I never even really asked you any of the the lightning round questions mm -hmm. uh, that that I meant to ask, um, but I want to do this real quick just to make sure because this is how we found you guys. Um, UrbanMissionTrip.com is is the that's the website that you would type in to find New Vision Urban Ministry in terms of the the vehicle that youth pastors can use 
to, to travel to San Diego and be a part of something that is beautiful, something that is sustainable, something that that uh, is, you know, it's it's just a, uh, it, it's it's a blessing. It's a blessing to know that this, you know, our students that are here are seeing God at work, and it's a blessing to know that the ways in which they are serving is connecting to a local body, a beautiful congregation like this one. So, uh, if you're interested, and and you sound sounds like San Diego might be a destination for you to do some ministry, urban mission trip. Dot com, unless I'm mistaken, I think that's you could right. also get it at um, newvisionsd.org. So either one would, would okay, uh, newvisionsd.org, which is the art website for our church, which is their okay. mission trips on there too. Um, if I were to share anything, guys, um, this has been my heart, and I've been shepherding leaders as I've gotten older. And, and one of the things that God's put on my heart is to really shepherd some leaders, the up and emerging leaders in the urban context or whatever context it is. So I meet with a lot of them and train them and meet with them. This is the one thing I would love to share with you as a youth pastor and eventually, Lord, maybe lead you into even a headship or a senior pastor or lead pastor role eventually, if that's what God calls you to do. In the early years of my ministry, I was very driven. And a lot of my hours were on the field. A lot of my you know, identity was found in what I did and coming from a broken family and coming from all the stuff from East L.A. and all the struggles and that's all the different story. I've come to realize that... Um, Number one, your family is the first ministry you have. So don't don't try to go save the world and lose your family. Mm. So my, my counsel, number one, is that your That's number good. one shepherding role is to love your wife as Christ loved the church, love your church, love your children, and they are priority. Mm. So number one, that's what I would say. Number two, there's a passage in Colossians chapter one, and it says that it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, it's not you doing the work. It's Christ through you doing the work. And so if it's Christ you through doing the work, then I can just trust God to move where he wants to put me and do what he wants to do. See, David and I's meeting wasn't by coincidence. It wasn't by accident. I call it divine meetings. God designed us to meet and to be here today because Christ is in both of us. And we're trying to be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus. And so what I've learned over the last six years, seven years is that I don't have to, I don't have to carry the burden yeah. The, the Bible says, all those who are heavenly, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Learn of me. And and sometimes in the ministry, we carry it. Sometimes in the ministry, we feel the responsibility. Sometimes in the ministry, when things aren't happening, we feel it's our fault. And when in reality, we're called to let it go mm-hmm. and let God do the work through us. And we only do what God calls us to do. We only move where God calls us to move. We only are called to do what he's told us to do. And there's some things in the ministry you may not, you're not supposed to be doing. What has God told you to do? What is the call that he's given you to do? And then you live out your kingdom call and Christ will meet you in that kingdom call. And that's what I've learned here. That's why when it gets rough, I can say, God, it's not my church. It's your church. You're the chief shepherd. You're the shepherd of the soul. So when kids are out there and they're not making or things are going bad, God, that's not my problem, God. It's your problem. I'm only the vessel and broken at that. And so reality is I'm just trusting you to work out all the details. So if I can leave anything for you as youth pastors, let God work through you. Rest in him. Have your Sabbaths. Abide in his word and you'll bear much fruit, it says in in John 15, 5. Take that time you need and God will multiply your ministry as you abide in him. You're only the branch. You sever from the vine, you're dead. We're only produced the fruit, really, that the vine produces. We're only the branch that holds it. And so the reality is that's the philosophy of ministry. So that's what I would encourage you and as, as youth pastors and as leaders. Amen.
Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. What a blessing. Let me quickly ask, real quick. There's a button in front of you. If you push it, 10 rich people walk through your door wanting to know how you can help them spend their money. All right? Okay. If you don't press the button, 100 broken, addict, mentally ill, totally messy, unstable people walk through the door needing this church to solve their problems. Do you press the button or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we want to press that button. We want to press that button and call down favor from God and, and allow him to bring the provision that we need to invest in people's lives. Sure. And you'll see that if you look at our finances, there's more money going for the kingdom purpose than is yeah. going in. We have seven eight pastors on staff and it's less than a half a million dollars. So, and, and all the ministry that you do, and I know you all raise your support. I mean, this is an amazing, amazing ministry. So what a blessing that would be. And that, that's like manna from heaven, you know, yes. you, you're, and you're surrounded by the need here. So, okay, good. Um, Greg Wire, Morris Greg Wire wants to know, what is your favorite song about California? Uh, Hotel California. I'm a classic rock guy. Okay, Eagles. The Eagles. You, yes. Well, that might have been the one that I would have guessed or hoped for, <laughs> and it turned out to be the truth. Final question for you, Pastor Pete. The Your go-to San Diego taco stand. Fish taco. Best fish taco fish in San taco Diego. Fish taco or just Mexican place in general? Uh, it can be Baja taco or Mexican well, place It's going to be Baja taco. Okay. It's going to be Cuatros Mipas. It's over in, in Vario Logan. i got to take you there, David. I've been, I've been there. You've been there? Did Mike I, take you? I went there Friday morning. Did Mike take you out there? No, it was Adam McLean who took me there. Okay. Adam the McLean is a buddy Abuelita's of mine. over there it. making the homemade yes. tacos. Yes, we sat in the kitchen. kitchen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's... Best it's, Mexican tamale so rice and beans. You found the place. That, to me, I is did the it. best place. It's a hidden place. It's been there 50 years. Everything's homemade. Cuatras Milpa. And they had this the bowl Island. of rice, rice and beans, beans and tamales. And then, but in mine, they put, I asked for uh, uh, the sausage. Uh, uh, what's the Mexican sausage? Chorizo. Chorizo. In, Chorizo. The, in, yes. the, rice in the rice and beans. And okay. I got two, maybe two. Uh, flour tortillas, probably yeah, a corn either one. Tortillas, yeah. yeah. They were, and they uh, make they the horn tortillas right there. Oh, uh, I'm that, so, so I've been to the you've best. You've been to the best. That's great. I mean, there's a lot of taco shops here. You can get Alberto's and those are all great. But that place, okay. it only opens up at lunch and it's only at that time and it's out the door. Well, now, the, if I had kept my mouth shut, you would have taken me there? I would have taken you there. <laughs> this is, that, let's, that, do let's do it. Let's do it. That's the there. best place in San Diego. Okay, Pete, I thank you so much for just your willingness and your heart to share with us. For, for the willingness to follow God, I pray a blessing. I'm going to pray right now, God, that you would just empower this place and these people, these former youth pastors that are changing the world here in this in this part of San Diego. Um, God, I pray just uh, that you would unleash your blessings on them to empower the continued work here among your people. Um, that's my prayer over Amen. Pastor Pete. I'm going to get a hug. Amen. And we'll thank say you, thank you. And and uh, I guess for those of you listening to the digital side hug, that really was a lightning round of, <laughs> of get to know me questions. So we'll see you next time, Pastor Pete. Thank you so much, thank David, you. for having and coming and visiting with us in San Diego. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.